a Highline podcast. We live in a complicated and fascinating world that invites us to dive deep into its intricacies. Exploring the ideas and events that excite, intrigue, irritate, and confound us is how we graduate our knowledge beyond meme culture. Join us over a cocktail as we expand our understanding and share in the beauty we find along the way. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. And I'm Stephen Henning. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. We're live. Yeah. We're We're here. Back at it. Hello. Happy 4th of July. (laughs) That's right. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Coming up. Do you guys have plans for the 4th of July? Zero. You gonna come party? No, wait. <laughs> no, because I got Caleb's text. I don't... I didn't get Caleb's text. Rude. Do you want to come to the 4th of July in Laurel? I can't. Come okay. all the way to Laurel? <laughs> like you can bring Steve and whoever else you want. It's our friend Sarah's birthday on the 4th. Okay. So the last couple years... We spend the 4th with her, and she Dang. has, like, a barbecue party. How does she feel about a 4th of July birthday? I don't think she's very stoked about it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I would uh, imagine, like, huh. a Christmas Day birthday is equally... Yeah. Be like, is it sacrilegious womp, womp. to celebrate my birthday? Womp, womp. <laughs> I don't think she feels that way, but it definitely, like, detracts from right. a right. normal celebration. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and I just, don't think she so, likes fireworks, so like oh, that's. Oh, I was gonna cool. say she could just lie to herself and be like, "These are for me." These are right. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is literally celebrating me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think that's the case. I my birthday is January seventh, mm. which is like, I wasn't born on Christmas, but two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And New Year's and like. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's just like well, everyone's like tired and over it. By the time you're so done with holidays, Stephen. We had Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas already. Hanukkah, if you observe, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry yeah. to be an inconvenience. <laughs> yeah, it's just born in January. Bummer. It's ridiculous. I am so excited for this episode because yes. once again, I am in the room with you two, Woo-hoo. and I'm finally drinking. The a, same drink. A Stephen Torna cocktail. Yes. Oh, right. right, right. Tell me about this drink I'm about to well, experience. Well, we are having arguably my favorite gin cocktail, mm. the Aviation. Gin in honor of Cat. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> We're here for it. Prego. Uh, <laughs> we had Lagavulin last time for yes, me. Yes, exactly. Yep, yep, now yep. we're. So tonight we are drinking the beautiful Aviation. I don't know much about the history, but I do know that the creme de violette, which is one of the ingredients, was made in Austria out of wild Austrian violets, and it still is today. But if I remember correctly, uh, during World War II, kind of the whole process was stopped, obviously due to World War II. And recipes were kind of forgotten, and it wasn't until much, much later, I want to say maybe the last 20 years, that it resurfaced, and they started producing creme de violette again. Um, And so the aviation has kind of made a comeback, and it's a, you know, 30s, 40s kind of drink that vanished. But uh, yeah, it's absolutely one of my favorites. It's sweet, tart, and floral. So we've got... 
two ounces of gin. I think it's best made with the Montana gin from Montgomery Distilleries. It's called White Lady Gin. It's like a uh, extra floral gin. Um, it's got half an ounce of maraschino liqueur. It's got three quarters an ounce of lemon juice, and then it's finished off with a quarter ounce of creme de violette. All shaken together, and boy, oh boy. Excellent. And we do have... Garnished with a lemon and a cherry. Cherry expressed oils from the... I watched you do that. Yep. I had no idea what you were doing when you were making it. Fondling lemon juice. It smells smells amazing. It does smell quite good. Yes, please. All right. Have you tried it yet? No, not yet. First time. Waiting for on the air. Yeah. (laughs) You can taste the violet. Yeah. You can. Mm Mm-hmm. And the color too. It kind of has this really like haunting, faint purpley, purpley gray hazy color. Gray. Yeah, yeah, it's quite pretty. Wow. I like what it does like to the corners of my mouth. Like, yeah. Like way in the back of my palate. Mm. It's still like lighting up. Mm-hmm. That's so nice. It's the tart. Uh, when I did the uh, interview. With you on No Normal People. Yes. A chair that someday I would love to make is inspired by the aviation. This is right. That is going to have crushed purple velvet cushions and... Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Cheers, Aviation, man. I'm so into this. This is like the summertime drink. It's so good. This is dangerous is what it is. Anything made with gin is dangerous. Mm -hmm. Sip on it forever. That's fair. Torna and... Our friend Josiah once asked me to drink warm gin and tonic out of a hydro flask at a wedding. Mm. So that unfortunately colored my opinion of gin until tonight. Oh. This is delightful. Excellent. And I didn't even have any white lady gin. I'm back. And it is a step up better with the recommended gin. You made us the four star aviation. Yes. Instead of the five star. (laughs) Holding back on us. God damn it. (laughs) Sorry. I'm Slowly, the problem with the darn problem is all these. I I make such a wide variety of cocktails that all at once I end up running out of everything. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, like last time this happened, this was a while ago. I, if I wanted to replace everything, it would have been like $600. Oh, my goodness. I was like, what? But I had, I mean, like creme de violette, I've had the same bottle for two years. We're Mm. like getting towards the bottom of it. how many lemons do you go through? I buy week? the bags at Costco, and yeah. Although to be fair, I I only have cocktails pretty much every Thursday. I rarely am making one for myself. Oh, okay. Just because, unless you have like twenty people over, and well, then, you then end up yes, making, I guess I'm like basically bartender. <laughs> it's right. true. I do have people over a lot, and I make <laughs> drinks for people. We just had someone's birthday, and I made a bunch of. Yeah, you're right. I brought a whole bag of lemons just like last week, and made a bunch of martinis and all sorts of stuff. So. Ooh. Yes. Good stuff. I go through a lot of lemons. Well played. There must be a reason that the, the lemon is used in so many cocktails. It's delicious. Uh, yeah, I mean, more so than lime. Although I love lime. There's just not a lot of... I think almost... Of course, you could probably fact check me immediately, but I think almost every food is probably eleva- elevated by a squeeze of lime. Of lime? I Every love food. it on food. 
I am a big fan of lime. But, but not I that can much. think of pretty much every Italian dish where it's not appropriate. Yeah. But what if it was, though? <laughs> I just don't Have know. You, if not it with is. that attitude, Kat. Um, not with that lemon, attitude. Maybe, it's not. But... Lemon, like some veal with lemon or some broccolini oh, sure, with some sure, lemon sure. or some nice uh, arugula lemon, with some lemon. Even lemon on like a bolognese would be a, yeah. would be nice. But lime yeah. is a different, it takes you in a slightly different direction. It's not direction. like it's a grapefruit, though. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> No, Henning. A squeeze of grapefruit. <laughs> All I'm thinking of is like, oh, I'm going to make a, this beautiful meatballs and then turn it into a sandwich and finish it with a squeeze of lime. Why not? My grandmother would probably roll in her grave. No. <laughs> I don't want to make her do that. Yeah. I think lemon's more universal than lime. Yeah. Uh, look, I claimed that Although, you could probably immediately wh- oh, fact check it, no, 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 I like fine. lime. Okay, but you just bought a bottle of rum, right? I sure did. Kirk and Sweeney, 12. The amount of delicious drinks that have rum and lime? Infinite. Oh, yes. Yes. And you two are just advising me on which tequila I should buy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which classic salt wine and yep. shot with a squeeze of lime. old Jimmy. Excuse me? Is that <laughs> what that's called? That's what uh, have most people Hima like. Door. Yeah, but most people order just like, can I have a shot of Jimmy? That is... Very Montana. It is very Montana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never that's, heard that before. But like all, all of okay, the bartenders, yeah, everyone, like they it just though. call it Jimmy. <laughs> I kind of like it, though. Oh, I get it. Give me a shot of Jimmy. Oh, there we yeah. go. Man. Wild Jimmy. Oh, wait. I got a funny story about some Jimmy door. Oh, God. Uh, I don't know what's, but maybe it's just I've been busy. My mind is, like, clouded. I had a bottle on the shelf, had a tacos and tequila night, smoked mm. some cigars, and I was like, oh, I have to get some Good tequila. night for lime, by the way. Oh, yeah. Perfect. That's Great where lime fits. Lime. lime shines. Street tacos and tequila, night. man. Which lime the is the main feature at that point. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty honest. much everything. <laughs> that's right. It's needed. Yeah. <laughs> but I went to the liquor store and I bought another bottle with like not even registering that I already had a bottle. Then come home. We ended up drinking about half a bottle that night because we were also doing pina coladas and other non-tequila drinks. And then just the other day, I was at the liquor store and I was like, I really want a margarita, but I don't have tequila. Oh, I have two of- and a half bottles of tequila right now. <laughs> you have a lot of tequila. Because I keep yeah. buying it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to be having a lot of tequila drinks soon. Good. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Like okay. every week. Got to set a reminder in your phone or something. Yeah. Steven, do not buy more tequila. My birthday is literally in like two weeks. That's right. And I requested Torna make a custom disco Disco themed cocktail. Yes. Yes. With tequila. Yes. French disco. With tequila. That's a direction you got to take. It's not like 80s American disco we talked about. Uh, Off my. And I would do more like, I would do more like a, if you're, if I would. Be inspired 80s, by 70s. a decade. Yeah, I yeah. would say like late 60s, early 70s in, okay. term, in terms of like your style aesthetic. Okay. Fair. And like bright okay. colors. And okay. Mm-hmm. So I've got to come up with like a 70s style disco outfit. Yes. And then, okay, I'll figure it out a disco drink. I think it'll be more fun if everyone goes all out. Oh, definitely. Mm hmm. It usually uh, is. I'm gonna go to that pop up, yeah. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, vintage store. It's One person shows store. up, 
There's a pop-up vintage store? Yes. Where? It's right. It's over by the used furniture store, UFS. Oh, that of... you and I went to, by the taco bus. Yes. What? Right. Oh, up. I've been there. Yeah, I've been They've there. They've got mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. Taco There's some bus. wild people there. There is. They're all really nice. Oh, I bet Taco Bus buys there a lot of limes. There was a crackhead in there the other day. Oh, oh okay. There was a gal who was like on one. But, Working you know, there? God bless her. No, no, no. Just. Oh, oh. I was like, everyone was that works to, there is like. She was trying to sell <laughs> things. Eclectic. But... She wasn't trying to buy. She was just trying uh, to sell. And right everyone on. was like, we don't want your crack. But anyway. Right. right. Yeah. Well. Whoa. All right, no crack. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Woo! Crackheads in Bozeman. Taking your product to the streets. <laughs> yes. Capitalism. No. Yes. <laughs> yeah, God damn it. You guys missed it when I said I bet Taco Bus buys a lot of limes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you would be correct. I mean, they fucking do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time you order, you get yes, a lime. Right. Every taco, you get a little piece of lime. This get is what I'm saying. Lime. I think I just think we should normalize limes. Normalize yeah, you lines. tweeted that, didn't Normalize. you? Absolutely. Yeah, did. you did. That's this right. is my Twitter energy, my yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> my most recent tweet that I was very proud of was, every smooch begins with mouth. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kat didn't get it until I sang it. Yep. But well, I needed to hear the melody. <laughs> right, right. I put it the little music while. note emoji. Did that not no, do it for you? No, but yeah, no, totally. It should have. I haven't heard that commercial in so many. I didn't years have a lot. Of, it wasn't. It was kind of a contextless. Like you get it if you get it. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is fair. Yeah. yeah. Whole nother stratosphere of right. Twitter. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I really <laughs> like that because it's reverting back to. I was thinking about this the other day. <clears throat> I tweeted something the other day. It was political and yada yada yada. And then I wrote up another tweet the other day, and I was like, ah, I don't want to deal with this. Why am I tweeting this? And I was like, I should just tweet like. It's 10 o'clock and I'm just now brushing my teeth. <laughs> like go revert would, back to old school the, yeah, Facebook when it first it was started. Just like a literal update yeah, about what I'm, you did. I'm in about the last to bake some minutes. cookies. I would yeah. so much rather right. see my friend be like, I'm about to bake some cookies and be like, weren't, OMG, what kind of cookies are you making? Weren't the comments so wholesome yeah. when we were like 14 and on Facebook yeah. and the Facebook had barely graduated yeah. from being like just for horny college people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Zuckerberg finally realized the potential of the website. And uh simpler times. I know. Absolutely. Now Facebook is just a hellscape. It is, yeah. it is I hate very much. Just sure. a hellscape. <laughs> it literally is. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been on Facebook in like Almost a year now. Hop on, check out Marketplace. Like life is so much better. I just post. I for still Perth, think I Craigslist is better than Facebook Marketplace. Craigslist knows what it's about. The web design is still from the nineties. <laughs> True. <laughs> I like the web design. I do too. Yeah, I'm like it, it works. The it works. It's like the fuck it. Peace symbol in no the one, corner. No one gives a shit. They're just there to find a car, you know, yeah. or like a couch, right? Or like a friend. A friend. Yeah, they missed opportunities. Quote, quotes on friend. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Casual encounter, Craigslist. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Was Craigslist the original Reddit? No. No. That's a stupid take. That is. Whatever. That's a rough take. Oh. Can you explain your tweet <laughs> from two days ago that all you said was RIP Canada? Oh. I figured this one out. Today, I have no I idea this what the hell oh, what you, you think it was about? about. Okay, I'm assuming you're referring to the fact that it was just un 
unearthed that like 400 and something graves, unmarked graves of indigenous children were found in Canada. Uh, no, that just gave me shivers. <laughs> okay. It's true, though. Wow. No, That's I did not true. even I see that. I thought you were basically being like, no. you're fucked, Canada. No, no. I oh. was just talking about a little bit. Just how much. <laughs> That's yeah. true. That kind of. Yeah. I was just mostly bad. like, oh, oh look. Wow. Trudeau's an absolute loser and oh. he is uh, it was Big specifically just a trudeau take no no it was specifically oh. about how many just innocent people are being arrested in canada oh for like see and not I wearing it, a mask and i thought it had oh, something to do yeah. with them like deciding to keep their the northern border closed to the u.s oh i wasn't even uh, yeah like i don't that. know they reviewed that decision a few days ago and they decided like nah, we'll see what it's like at the end of summer was basically what they said. I was just watching the. There's a, a journalist. The indicator just had it. I think it was like two days ago. A journalist, like, police arrested a journalist because he like wasn't wearing a mask in a coffee shop. And then hmm. and then like some civilians. There's a video of it. And then a couple civilians were like, oh, "You can't just like, what are you doing?" And then they arrested the people that intervened. Like four or five people got arrested. It's like outside, no one's wearing masks. Full That's on arrested, gross. huh? Yeah. And I was like, y'all are tyrants. That's weird. Rest in peace, Canada. Look, I was all for wearing masks, and now I'm fully vaccinated, and I don't wear a mask now. Like, but arresting you're people? you're a rational human being, so there you go. Yeah, thank you. I'm supporting you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I wore a mask hey. when I thought it was appropriate. And- sure. Makes sense in certain settings if you have the right kind of mask. Yeah. Right kind of mask is a good thing to highlight, but yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, people wearing like stupid masks they made themselves that are cute and like themed for their outfit is dumb and does nothing. Right. Oh. But anyway, we don't need to go off on a mask. Whatever. That's like an ice cold take at this point. Totally. (laughs) Although I will say, ice cold takes on the whiskey bench. You should really. I'm going to see if I can find it. There's some interesting research where they took masks from children. They're like supposed to wear it at school and they tested what was on their masks. Disgusting, probably. Good Lord. <laughs> well, yeah, because they're fucking sugar kids. Yeah, and they, they didn't wash them for, teeth, and they didn't it. wash them sugar for breath. ever. Yeah. You're like, I guarantee putting that mask on your face is worse than anything. Sure it is. It's like, good Lord. There was a period Maybe. of time in the beginning when, when people were admitting that like yeah. health experts were admitting like this actually is probably bad for you because it's like you're breathing in things that are unhealthy and it's like yeah. suppressing your airway and blah blah blah. I have friends that just recently like this week got a cold mm-hmm. and they were like dang I I did not miss getting any kind of sick let alone covid like they were yeah. just like I haven't been sick in so long. This is right. so annoying. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Gotta yeah. get sick to feel alive, baby. Really? Definitely. How often do you get sick in a normal pre pandemic world? Yeah. That's about right. Can me, I be honest yeah. with you guys? I haven't been sick since December of 2019. All right. And even that patient zero, even that broke a streak of, I mean, I don't think so. But you, you guys were pretty like you were pretty, you didn't really like you guys were pretty locked down, right? Because of your living situation. Yeah. But they had been in, they had been in Seattle. We were in Seattle. And we're increasingly learning that like it probably was, there were cases in China, like 
well before like november 2018 they're thinking even or 2019 sooner now, but oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And my and my thing was at that point was like, for some reason, I usually get sick when I go to Seattle Mm -hmm. to visit my parents. But this time in particular, I remember like telling my mom, it's weird because I usually get sick here, but usually it starts like as a head cold and Mm -hmm. then migrates to my chest. And my remark was. Usually I can't taste anything because my nose is all plugged up, but now it started as a chest cold and I still can't taste anything. Yeah, you had COVID. I wish you would have got maybe antibody tested. I really actually wish I would Remember when they were discouraging people to get antibody testing in the very beginning of the whole thing? (sighs) We're supposed to talk about China, but like... I know, I'm sorry. Honestly... Good segue, though, we need as to, far as like possible lab leak. We right. should have about. a conversation of how stupid it is to not test people for antibodies before they get a vaccine. <laughs> well, increasingly, doctors are starting to like, like epidemiologists and other health experts are finally starting to come out and say, like, it actually doesn't make sense for healthy young adults who have had the virus in survived it obviously Mm -hmm. to then be vaccinated and there is absolutely no scientific data to suggest that that your immunity from the vaccine is any stronger or longer lasting than your immunity from actual infection Mm -hmm. like there isn't a scientific argument incentive from the right people who made it right yeah (laughs) i love your skeptical tone of voice yeah like yeah (laughs) no it's very good do you guys get the flu shot though? Absolutely not. No. No. I, it depends. I probably eighty percent of the years I've had it. Really? Why? Yeah. It's full of a bunch of shit. I feel and like, like I feel like a yearly bad. COVID vaccine is going to go the way of the flu shot. I'm and sure it, it just will. Just yeah, something you can so. get at Walmart yeah. if you want. Yeah. It for sure will. Yeah. Totally. Right. Especially like people are starting to freak out about the Delta variant or whatever for. Yeah covid right <laughs> yeah no totally i think it absolutely will it's like whatever mutate, like any virus that's does reasonable. they'll do predictions and there'll be years where it's good and there'll be years where it's bad and yeah yeah well i there's don't have no, a problem like, with the ex- flu shot though like i've never gone it because for me the risk of getting the flu isn't very high like i'm not concerned about right like surviving it yeah so i'd rather not go through the trouble of getting that's fair the flu shot yeah. Not to mention, like most years, it's not particularly. It's it good. isn't particularly effective, <laughs> you know. And it's like there is like a lot of stuff in it that there are questions about, like if you're using like um, fetus tissue, like what does that do to your own body when that's injected in you? Like I'm not an anti-vaxxer, mm. but like there is. There's a question there, and like some of this technology right. is relatively new, and we haven't been doing it for very long, so we don't really know what the long term effects are. And like, right. if I can avoid that, I'm gonna avoid well, it. Like it's a perfectly good reason. But like, you have your polio shot, right? Yo, <laughs> like- my parents, and I'm gonna have like the feds at my door tomorrow. <laughs> oh no, my parents. <laughs> I don't know. They, I literally don't know. My parents. I like. It's like sounds sad, but whatever. It is what it is. I like legit got kind of forgotten by my parents at a certain point. Like they got divorced when I was four and I'm the youngest of my siblings. And it was just like half the time they didn't know what grade I was in. Like it was just I don't even know. And I and I like when I went to high school, I straight up did not get any of my vaccines that I was supposed to get when you enter high school. Never got them. 100 percent never got them. 
Also never took calculus. Not sure how I graduated, but I never <laughs> took calculus. There are all sorts of things. Is that a requirement in, in California? I've never had a staff shot. Can like we a, get a bumper sticker that says, never did calculus and unvaccinated? <laughs> <laughs> never did calculus and I'm susceptible to polio. <laughs> Yeah. I don't have polio Hell antibodies. Yeah. <laughs> Sick. Come at me, Hep C. <laughs> Come at me. Bring it on. Yeah. I mean, if I ever step on a rusty nail, I'm screwed. Okay, but well, tennis, the tennis is, shot is totally different. Yeah. I love that we both <laughs> jump on it. <laughs> We're both like, okay, but wait. All right. Look, <laughs> let me mansplain tennis real quick. <laughs> I know Please for a fact. It, I, fa- I know for a fact that my tetanus shot is out of date. You're supposed to get one every seven years. Oh and god! Then if- but also, it actually kind of still functions as a reactionary shot to like I stepped on a rusty nail. Yes. I should get the tetanus but, shot. But if you step on a rusty nail, you should go get it because if you do get tetanus, apparently. You get paralyzed or something. Apparently. Lockjaw, man. Oh, that's Maybe terrible. it's all just propaganda. It I probably don't know. is. <laughs> I'm just JK, JK. Hmm, something yeah. China would do. <laughs> Same with rabies, though. Yeah, rabies. Like, like you get you bit get, by a you raccoon. Get bit, go get your rabies yeah. shot. But, like, it's Bats. not something that you really need to stay up on. Yeah, if you get bit by a yeah. bat, actually, you got probably bigger things to worry about than rabies, like we should, Ebola. And- we should also quickly <laughs> say that we are COVID. podcasters and none of this is medical advice. Proceed. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Don't get bit by a bat. That's my medical advice. Don't get bit by a bat. Don't step on rusty Stay nails. away from flying rodents that communicate with ultrasound. Take you know, calculus. Whatever. Take calculus. No calculus, huh? Uh, no calculus. Calculus is like really cool. I also studied economics and I was supposed to get, I was supposed to take uh, calculus some would level make that of easier. stats. Yeah. Calculus makes stats easier too. Oh yeah. Well, I... It, talked my way out of taking stats. It blew my mind. So, like, my favorite thing to learn from Ulrich at Rocky was that you you do calculus every time you ponder whether to pass the person in front of you on the interstate. Hmm. Like calculating the difference in your velocities ah. and deciding whether you should move over a lane and pass them. Your brain is literally doing calculus. Hmm. There so, you go. You took calculus. So you took driver's ed, right? All day, yeah, bro. Yeah. You can't live without calculus, mm-hmm. right? But you can live without your polio vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Apparently, cat. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, that would yeah. be a fun history to go through: is the history of polio. And what a, what a what a wonderful a light topic. What yeah. a wonderful vaccine it is What's up, now. FDR. But, how much just horrible Gimpy. things happened to children during the process of developing it. What happened? This, I don't know. Just, you know, a bunch of sick kids that had to get stuck with stuff. and Oh, like experimental things? Yeah, and then it was like, oh, there's this cool vaccine, and some of them didn't work, so like the kids still got polio and got paralyzed. And mm. Okay, so in that case, how do we feel about FDA and like, actually regulating some of that stuff before we go to human trials like the fda has a say in like how effective is an animal trial going or this is way off from the chinese communist party look i think animal (laughs) testing is great right and we should probably be a little more lenient on mice how we use animals flies yes i like don't even have a problem with like monkeys and stuff and people have an issue with that but yeah fuck monkeys 
Wow. <laughs> <laughs> My eyes got wide when I said that. You know that's the next teaser. <laughs> we beep it, of course, yeah, yeah, for yeah, the yeah, cross yeah, promo yeah, unravel. Yeah. But yeah, that's the take. <laughs> I don't like monkeys. They freak me out. Animals are losers. So what? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, monkeys scare me. The monkey section is literally like my favorite uh, spot of the zoo. I hate I, it. I will go and sit and just watch monkeys for hours. They freak me out. I li- I love them. They're too human like. Okay. But not human enough. But not human <laughs> enough, exactly. They're too smart though. They're too I mean they're the last. Yeah, but they're also like dumbasses. Yeah, they're like little shit rats. They're like little punk kids yeah. that have like no supervision. Yeah. That just like throw their feces around and gang up on people. They're like, yeah, I'm smart, but also like we cannibalize each other. Yeah, 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 exactly. No respect for monkeys. We say as we anthropomorphize and impose our, our evolution of morality on Species top of another species. Uh, hey, dude, chimps, <laughs> evolve a little more and you can, t- you can. Do your studies on humans, but mm-hmm. wow, good luck. Okay, oh, yeah. you're literally Let's going like Planet monkey. of the Apes right here. Yeah, yo, that movie, that movie, it's a good one. Charlton Heston. I bet China experiments on all sorts of primates. Well, so something and humans. What am I saying? They just use humans. In our la- in our last segue, episode, Henning mentioned you were talking about sort of like the what's the term for it, but like the evolutionary biological experimentation on oh genetic engineering thank you that's Stuff the like actual that. term i'm <laughs> yeah. looking for yep sorry <laughs> genetic engineering crispr uh like crispr yes cutting pieces yes, out of yes, dna yes. and reinserting new code thank you something that happened in china on famously on a pair of twins in 2017 yep, yep. right and what i was going to refer to is that recently apparently or at least in the last couple of years they have done from what i've heard they've done an experiment on pigs where they've taken they've impregnated a female and then i guess taken the uterus and put it in the male and had the male like conceive the the baby pig and like so <laughs> i don't know if they like did a c section like yeah, cut it out yeah but like it birthed the baby pig which is wild. That's freaky stuff. So there's a lot of stuff like that happening. Animal trials, though. Yeah, but the no, thing totally. Is, is... I mean, I, I think I mean. So this actually is a great segue into what mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about. To what degree should there be oversight on this kind of activity, where like of... you're you're seeing a <clears throat> and and in the in China like there is no real private enterprise like any company that's operating on that level or research firm that's operating on that level is under the thumb of the Chinese Communist Party. But mm. regardless, if there is a private firm that's doing that kind of experimentation or like AI research in America, that like there are legitimate concerns that it can be taken to an extreme that is dangerous for humanity. Is there a role for government? To step in and do something about that? Or should it be left to the private sector? Where do you draw the line? My first question is, do you put AI experimentation on the same level of, like, pig transgenderism? 
and like birthing, <laughs> birthing pigs out of, out of yes. like biologically male pigs? I do. And maybe because I don't understand enough about either of them. But yes, I do put them kind of on the same level of like really interesting and fascinating technology that could maybe be dangerous. morally questionable uh, and morally questionable. Yeah. I mean, part of it like kind of is the meme. It's like in doing this, they like forgot to ask, should you? Like, how does that? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. That was my friend's tweet. Yes. Yeah. Yes. My friend's tweet. so worried about if they could, they yeah. failed to ask if they should. Because, like, friends honestly, resurrecting with, with the Jurassic China, world? <laughs> with China yeah. and, and anyone that might be doing this kind of experimentation, there is no way that there is not an intent to see if it can be done in humans. Well, of course, that's and, the point. And in yeah. places like China, they're just going to go grab some Uyghurs yeah. and do some nasty stuff to them. And we're going to start seeing freaky stuff. Like, well, there's already like, and it hasn't been confirmed, but there's right. evidence to suggest that they're harvesting organs oh, from definitely. the Uyghur population. There's, the CCP does not care about people. No, it like, doesn't. The other fodder. thing, too, is that all of these, these experiments, like mm-hmm. even the gain of function. Yeah experiments that were happening at the <clears throat> Wuhan Institute of Virology, like all of that, as I said, these organizations are under the thumb of the Communist Party. All of this stuff has a military end. It does. So, yeah, it's important to keep that in mind. It is. Because like there, there is a sinister component to it. Obviously beneficial for the party, but dangerous for the rest of the world. So... To go back to your original question, I think if you're talking about like government, you know, you've got different kinds of government and you can have your, you know, cynicism when you're talking about something like the way the United States is run as far as like the government represents the people. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Right. There's arguments about that. But (laughs) if your government represents the people, then it's probably in the people's interest to want their government to intervene in that mm. in a free government setting mm-hmm. and that's where people have the power to basically give the government permission to do something yeah it's like that the social voice. contract right yeah um but then maybe ostensibly that's what we do with a vote yeah right? exactly i mean that is true yeah but i would go so far as you know chances are if something like this was going to be intervened and Biden would just be like, I'm going to do this thing via executive order. And even though morally that might be the right thing to do, then obviously morally it would be to be like, let's not harvest organs from human people against their will. It's like a baseline. That's a pretty low bar to <laughs> yeah. reach. Right. Um, I would still be like, yeah, maybe we should like go Biden chill. Like let, let's go through some proper, uh, checkpoints here because I, I think the consensus would be like yes we want to intervene and that's where you get into like I mean what if Russia intervened as the good guy but really they're like oh we're just going to intervene and we kind of want that tech it was kind of right we'll be the good guys we'll go intervene and squash China and then they just snatch it because people in Russia don't have any say that's where two thoughts that's where like one I think being naive about like the current world order mm-hmm. is dangerous. And to your point, like 
if the free world doesn't intervene when there's atrocities taking place, who is going to come and like fill that void? Or mm-hmm. is anyone going to stop that power? And like, when are we going to reach that tipping point where somebody has to do something like where you're forced yeah. to because you've lost, you know, lives of your own people. So I think to some degree, like that's inevitable and it's silly to to not try to prevent that. And to your other point, I do think there's an immense value, especially in a democratic republic like we live in, in pursuing any action through like the proper channels that are established by the Constitution and like leaning on executive authority is we do it too often and it's dangerous and I think it undermines our republic. So even if that means we're slower to act, I think there's a there's like long term value in pursuing those channels because um, mm-hmm. that keeps us free. But I'm like really so torn you, on this. So you do think there's a role for the government to do I'm, something? I'm am t- torn. I am very torn. So for example, it's become completely evident. No one can deny it any longer. It's been evident for a few months, but like now. Like I said, no one can deny it any longer. Um, the supply chains for, uh, is it polysilicone for solar panels? I'm literally looking through. Just <laughs> going to the notes. That's what uh, I like to do. No, but I'm just, um, yeah, polysilicone for uh, solar panels. Um, over 50% of the world's supply is in China. And a ton, like the majority of those supply chains are are sort of can be traced back to Xinjiang, where the Uyghur Muslims are being, mm-hmm. where there's a genocide being carried out against the Uyghur Muslims. And there's strong evidence to suggest that there is slave labor used in the production of this material. And a ton of companies that are producing solar panels around the world, in- including U.S. companies, source their material through this supply chain. And so there was actually legislation proposed by some um, Senate Republicans, which Senate Democrats actually voted down, but the legislation was proposing that um, basically companies would have to like disclose if they are getting their supply chain from Xinjiang and it would Mm -hmm. make it like illegal essentially Mm. to do so. And I'm like genuinely kind of torn on that because I think it's a dangerous precedent to have the government tell you where either the government is telling you what the market ought to be. Yeah. But when you're talking about and at the same time creates a black market, it does. Right. 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 It does. Yeah. So which is. But better. Is it a lesser of two evils situation? I think it's a lesser of two evils, but like. When you're talking, I mean, especially from a libertarian standpoint, if you're talking about violating gross violation of human rights, like, shouldn't that be at the forefront of what we value? Like, at all costs to preserve life and freedom and independence of people? Like, so it's. Someone's going to, I mean, you say it's going to cause a black market. I don't care if evil people profit on the black market. But do you want people to be 
manipulated or, you know, the wool pulled over their eyes. So they're buying this product and they don't even know where it's coming from. Like I would feel awful if I put solar all over my house and I didn't know that this was going on. And then later you find out, Oh, Whoa, no, okay, so, so that's true, but like, like, uh, we've, we've seen at least alleged reports of what, like, Apple using factories in China that mm-hmm. employ like child labor or something yeah. like that, right? Like, other, other angles of things that we would say are wrong, and yet our table here is littered with Macs and iPhones. Yeah, no, and it's like, true, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, true, all fair. that stuff, right? Like, is that there's a corollary there somewhere? It's like, even if we know about what's going on, like our market, the way it is, like it hasn't changed our rationale toward mm-hmm. buying these products because they serve us in some way. Right. So that's my question is like, so the alternative, if it isn't the government telling us you cannot, if yeah. it's the government telling businesses, you're not allowed to source material from this province right. of China. Yeah. Which then would drive up the cost of everything and blah, 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 and ripple down to the consumer is the alternative consumers i mean before this this legislation came about because everybody realized that this was happening right so like we totally. don't necessarily need that to know that these supply chains are linked to slave labor yeah so is there just a role for consumers to give a shit and to make that choice themselves and to boycott certain products maybe i mean that is in many ways that's more powerful than government sanctions right like everyone's competing for our market share yeah i think part of the question is like how quickly does that happen like is this macbook air the last apple product you ever buy right right or have they successfully like created their brand yeah exactly like and integrated into your life in such Mm -hmm. a way that like it's a no-brainer that you upgrade to the iphone 1200 (laughs) before you get the (laughs) next like samsung yeah also and it blows Chinese. up on <laughs> right? Like, and also, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. No, um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, like, how 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 personal does that get, and how quickly does it get personal? Mm-hmm. I think is a an important question there. Yeah, it's right. Very and there's fair. a there's a question uh-huh. of feasibility when it comes to production. When you look at, I mean, there's some. What was the number? If you look at like a single pair of like Nike tennis shoes, it ends up touching something like 130 markets. Sure. In right. 130 different countries. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Which well, is then, a beautiful okay. thing, right? Right. Like, and that's where you that's where you get thing. into the issue of like American only and what a hindrance that is. Which is a nightmare. So, but yeah. would would you spend two thousand dollars more on your next MacBook exactly. to right. know that it was not the resources were not coming from this province right. and not sourced by? Slavery. I think a lot Most of people. Or do you, would. I mean, we already See, compl- I was just we say, already I feel like a lot of people wouldn't. I think a lot I'm of with people Kat on wouldn't. this one. I think we already complain about how expensive Apple products are, and yet we still keep going back. It lowers the standard of living for everybody, right? But when see, all of our the, goods get more this expensive, this is the thing, though. Is this comes to light. That's where you have hope that some other company will be like, you know what? Screw Apple. We're going to make a product. But can they compete price wise? You'll never be able to compete price-wise if it's truly, say, a a completely American-made product. Now, you have issues with sourcing materials just for microchips and things like that, right? Right. I mean, we're completely dependent on... So, maybe maybe it actually is impossible. 
But also like a hundred percent, there's probably a better operating system in the world that I could be using to record this podcast. Mm -hmm. And yet I still use Apple because like they're more of a brand that I buy than a actual like right product. Right. Yeah. Like they create tribe around their thing. So like, yeah, right. Which is like the stickiest part of when a company. Their stock sucks. Hasn't made me any money in a year. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Like, like you guys suck. (laughs) Man, I keep handing them money though. Pros and my AirPods. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I don't. I think it's. Here's a question. It's valiant. To wish that the average consumer would be rational enough to be like, mm-hmm. right, you know, if if one the research, at least as far as I've discovered, even in my personal life, is really hard to do to figure out. Like, sure, it's not like I'm looking up the serial number of this MacBook Pro and being like, did anything come from <laughs> right this province of China? Right, like, right. so yes, yeah, the barrier to entry to be like as well informed as possible when you're trying to make an ethical capitalistic decision about like what product is best for you at what price point, how much do you value the product versus the money you hold in your hand? Yeah. All that. Right. It's right. hard. And it's the expensive. calculation becomes incredibly hard to do. So, so maybe you lower the cost of that by having legislation that makes companies disclose that information up front and then gives the consumer the because choice. Because then it just makes Apple look bad if they mm-hmm. continue to right. I mean, yeah, it would pressure them into those, not doing those it. resources right and be yep. forced to now, disclose. Right. So maybe the government does have a spot to be like, it might because uh, it's very it's a very Jeffersonian take. But basically, like at Jefferson thought, the only thing that the federal government should be built for is foreign policy, and like hmm. when it comes to trade and foreign policy. Like this is this is exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, right. That's the only thing he cared about the federal government. That's existing a fair for, point. Right. And here's yeah. like, otherwise, completely. it should be Tenth Amendment states do whatever they want to do. Right. And the feds basically just handle, which was kind of the attempt of the uh, the first version of the, version of the Constitution. Was that Articles of Confederation? Yep. No. Yeah, the Articles of Confederation. Is that what they were called? Mm-hmm. That's not the thing that tried to establish the South as a country. I don't think so. I don't remember. Oh, this is look I'm pretty sure the Articles of Confederation were the Google can tell the precursor uh. to Declaration yeah. of Independence, and they found it to be too weak. Right. Which, so we have the good. Constitution <laughs> that we have now because sure. of it. I think you're right. Yeah, okay. it's the original. Thank you yeah. for fact checking. Yes. <laughs> it's always weird because the words Confederacy, yeah. Confederation, bad word, whatever. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But things changed after that. But Jefferson, the whole time, was basically like, "It's kind of doing all we needed to do." Is sure, like, trade, yeah. foreign policy, interstate commerce. That's great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. which is the realm we're here's we're a in now? Question. Maybe a better approach to it, which would still, it would still require some regulation, but not the app. Like, is Apple even really that heavily regulated in the United States? Like, I'm so cynical when it comes to like how much special interest there is and like these big companies are just making the rules but cynicism aside like if you are a business that is operating in the United States your headquarters is in the United States your but your bank accounts are in the Cayman Islands (laughs) why are you not required in all aspects of your business to cooperate with 
United States law. Hmm. Like you, Are you not? You can't have child labor in the United States. Oh, I see what you mean. You, like every aspect, your manufacturing, yeah. everything has to be up to scuff with American law, which clearly it's not. Well, that gets complicated because then that would mean that totally. you're allowing American, ultimately military authority to enforce American law on foreign soil, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a Nike factory in Vietnam that's using child labor, mm-hmm. then What's that wrong means that? the American as as military is allowed to go in and like enforce it upon an American company. Yeah, but it's not like Jack Smith. I work with the Jack Smith. That's funny. <laughs> Sorry, Jack. But it's not like Jack Smith is running the insert generic name here. <laughs> it's like he's running the the you know uh, factory in Vietnam. Fair it's enough, Vietnamese right? people that are right. running the right. factory there, yeah. right? Very so good point. Then that it gets, gets sticky. Com- that gets incredibly sticky. Yeah. And then it's like, well, what is our duty to make sure that Vietnamese people aren't abusing other Vietnamese people? That's where it gets into non-interventionism right. and yeah, it gets complicated. People fast. want the United How? States to fix all the problems, but they don't want us to intervene. I'm like, y'all, you're sending uh, mixed signals here. Yeah. Like, America should do something about this. I'm like, well, okay, but a lot It'll of times... It'll cost trillions of dollars. And, some, and sometimes and, when we yeah. do stuff, like, it doesn't go as planned and... Right. Bad things happen. Like, <laughs> No, fair point. Right. And that's where... And this goes into a, lar- a, you know, a much deeper philosophical question of your morality and if you're a christian like where does that lie in 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 that like yeah where do you draw the line your duty is to i would say serve and help people but like your duty's not to like do it through government i, I don't know i don't know what the answer is to this i well strictly economic economically yeah. speaking this supply chain question regarding like rare earth minerals for green technology mm-hmm. Is kind of a nightmare because China really does have an yeah. absolute corner on the market and like to a degree that is not going to be mm-hmm. overturned for probably a decade. Right. If we like invest trillions right now. Right. Like then maybe sure. we can catch up within a decade. But like we are a ways out and it is going to cost a ton of money. It is going to require a lot of deregulation. Mm-hmm. Like one of the biggest problem standing in the way is the red tape of environmental regulation of laws that already exist and have existed for decades in the United States. Like a lot right. of that shit's going to have to be well, overturned. And that's, we and, had this conversation. There's hundreds of thousands of pages of regulation in the United States. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I don't know how, it's amazing that anyone can operate or function in the United States. No, it's insane. So you have that. Normalized lime in your raw milk. Yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So like, it's that challenge. It's the NIMBY movement. It's just like traditional environmentalist activists. It's tribal activists. There's a lot of completely. School me on the term NIMBY again. Not in my backyard. Thank you. Yeah. People who are like, I don't fucking want to look at a giant like solar field that's, that's so 14 Bozeman. square miles, right? <laughs> or like, you know, which is understandable, right? Although Bozeman's like, uh, an eight-story building? Not in my backyard. No, see, n- 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 <laughs> NIMBY started in California, yeah, I think exactly. in the Bay Area, where it was like wealthy people 
in Piedmont, which is like the bougie neighborhood in the hills above Oakland, were like, we don't want affordable housing near us because sure. our homes are worth like 2.5 million and like, fuck you. And yeah. we have a housing crisis. But right. anyway, They're like, but Sorry. we love poor people. Derail you. Yeah, but <laughs> we'll like vote, you know, anyway. Yeah. Totally <laughs> That's insane. a whole other conversation. But anyway, um, it's like schizophrenic. But um, China dominates that market and economically, it will require so much government mm-hmm. subsidization of it. There's a move. I mean, Biden wants to do this. The Democrats have recently in the Senate, I think, have proposed legislation to essentially like fully subsidize rare earth mineral mining in the United States and not just the mining, but like the full supply chain of it, the the extracting, the refining, mm-hmm. the processing, the right. creating of the product, the whole fucking thing. Right. It will cost the whole operation is going to have to be subsidized because we can't compete in an open market. Sure. With China. Of that is not. not a sustainable solution. It's not. Well, here's so that's where I it, start to be like, wait it, a second. We have to pull back and think about this. Here's a, like here's a really good option. And yeah. the really good option is. Oh, this is maybe actually just kind of a shitty thing. Like, let's just not do solar at all. Well, that's like, where I fall. But yeah, yeah. Why? Like, what's the point? If you're going to team nuclear. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You're still going to probably run into similar problems. Which, but like, right. At some point, it's like, we know that it's not that great. We know wind's not that great. Like, why participate in it? Because there's a massive special interest lobby that stands to make a buttload of money right so that's why but standing on the graves of innocent people it's lovely we're gonna take a quick break then we'll be back to our conversation if you like what you're hearing the best way to tell us about it would be on apple podcasts there you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review to help others find the show thank you to reagan james for the use of our theme music the habit off her album message Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. And thanks to Highline Media Network for having us as a founding podcast. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, The Into Podcast. Enjoy some of our favorite bites from today's episode. I think because it ended up being funny that I told Keegan that he literally scared the shit out of me. Mm, yep. <laughs> Three things. Saki bomb, warm soft serve ice cream, and uh, Sharknado underwear. I swallow gum and <laughs> it's down there. It's all stuck. <laughs> and Alex goes, Mommy, I got a poo. <laughs> and our friends go, again? <laughs> yeah, I got NFTs, non-flushable turds. <laughs> and now, back to our conversation. Okay, so two things. Is it an open market to begin with that we're trying to comp- compete with China on? And that's me genuinely mm. asking, like, that's a fair question. Is I mean, it is it fair to question that even it's already a fair market, or somehow it's, it's being marked no? It's down definitely or... it's definitely not right because like slave labor is is not a feature of a free market, and right and 
industries in China are heavily heavily subsidized. I, d- yeah. I don't have figures on you so, know what so those the operations baseline are. Of, but of the subsidy would be okay instead of a thousand people mining this shit for free because they're like under literal threat of imprisonment or something. Yeah. Now we have to pay these people. What's the going market for a miner these days? Right, like <laughs> in Xinjiang, yeah, right, right, or even in America. In America, but where the subsidy thousand, comes from is maybe. like, what? What do you want to pay that guy per hour? Or maybe it's a union job, but even then, like, how much are you going to pay this guy? Like, what's the subsidy that we have to just pay the baseline of paying the same thousand people to now make a quote unquote like I mean free market wage? But it's but it's it's going to be more. It'll considering be infinitely more expensive at, yeah, here. Well, considering it's zero to start. The calculation is already infinite yeah. difference. Yeah. Right? Like the difference between zero and one at that point. Right. Looks and, it's, like but, and it's also not just the cost of the labor. It's the cost of the deregulation. Right. Of paying off the people who don't want it to happen. Totally. Like there's. Which again, like last episode is one of those things like we're already so entangled with being in debt to China that it's like. What if we did try to pull back? Basically, China could be like, okay, then pay us back for exactly. every other if they come thing to, we've if lent they you. Come to, I know, that's what's so scary. Mm-hmm. Right? When it's they like, come knocking it's like to you collect can't, their debt. Right. You can't. We can't. Cle- there's no clean margins on cutting out no, this tumor. there isn't. Right? There's absolutely not. Yeah. Right? That's mm. a good way to put it. Okay, so my next question is, in YouTubing people who... At, especially you, Kat, like I'm sure you've done way more reading of people like Adam Smith and Milton Friedman than I have. Um, as maybe a memeified version of Friedman's philosophy was basically like shareholder capitalism. Like as long as you serve the shareholders, like that's your ultimate end as a business, right? Yeah. Am I getting that wrong yeah, so far? Well, no, no, because that is, that self-interest is the most efficient way to allocate resources. And by doing that in the most efficient way, you create the most benefit right. for people. So, yes. So is Apple simply trying to create the most benefit to their shareholder, but they're still making ethically dubious de- decisions to get there because they have discovered that they can utilize foreign labor that like and somehow far, the line gets blurry enough that yeah, they're a far company enough removed, just be like, know. hey man, yeah, China agreed to this foreign trade agreement yeah. and like we're just here for it. Well, because yeah, because I mean Apple, Apple isn't Apple isn't running the mine in Xinjiang that's using like Uyghur Muslims as slave right. labor, right? They just they're, just say, hey, they're purchasing a product from from a company that's mm-hmm. hiding what they're doing. They, right. Yeah, they so, write that so, check. So yeah, I think I think Apple absolutely is. I think so doing what the free market would do. So capitalism is pretty much exactly doing what it's supposed to do right now. I mean, I think if I were to say yes to that, I could probably look I'm into not a to million. Like pin you no, to no, no, no. I know. I'm just but... saying. There's probably. I mean, there's a whole host of like government intervention that creates perverse incentives. So I don't think we can say it's like a purely free market. Right, the situation. Mu- the, the waters are already muddied. Yeah, but I but think broadly in the, speaking, in the climate yes. that Apple gets to play in right now. Yeah, I think yes. Okay, so what's the version of like? I honestly don't know what people are talking about or what they mean because I feel like the definition is so slippery when people say late stage capitalism. 
they're just looking at like trying to see capitalism decline right in the same way capitalism replaced feudalism communist stuff somebody somebody (laughs) somebody wants there's like there's a system just in just in the way capitalism replaced feudalism there's something that's going to replace capitalism maybe eventually right i think that's i think that's that's what they're talking about i think that is what they're talking about i think that's a mistake because capitalism isn't a system that's imposed by man it's simply man's way of articulating a natural system that emerges okay. when human beings have freedom to exchange voluntarily between each other. And that, that is... isn't something that's constructed. <laughs> that's yeah, natural. Thunder go boom. <laughs> it's just and so so I think like when like what Friedman and Hayek and Mises were writing about, they were just observing and interpreting and articulating a natural process. Sure. And that system is ideally morally neutral. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, and, and what's beneficial about it, though, is that people can pursue, people naturally pursue their own self-interests. Sure. And in doing so in a free market where they can, ex- where people have choice, that self-interest is ultimately, um, it's channeled in a direction that delivers people like it delivers a good outcome for both people involved in that voluntary trade. Right. Sure. Right. And if it doesn't, which, people have a choice to leave. Which totally so. sounds amazing. Either if you're on our new whiskey bench libertarian island <laughs> yeah. or if the yeah. entire world does not have to deal with the CCP that exists. Right. And right? that is where That's I have a divergence the, with libertarians because yes, there is a yeah. reality of bad actors. Because, and because what do you do about I it? I think we're yeah. observing that there is a net negative yes. moral value to what is happening today. Yep. So what the fuck do we do? About exactly. Thing, That's right? my question. So my what, what does capitalism that. plus ethicalism look like? War. I do think, you really think so? I 100% think so. Okay. So do you think. Things with China in regards to the Uyghur people, like I think, just becomes hot war. I think with with Russia's just like they're kind of just losers, like. <laughs> but like with China and North Korea, I think. Talk about losers, North Korea's. Yeah, but the the they have no real power. They're the only gross, propped up by the they, Chinese. The gross they, abuse they simply only broadcast big dick energy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> But yeah, and they would I'm all saying, starve. Even the the people in power would starve to death if the Chinese weren't propping them up. I don't I mean. say this lightly. I think that the atrocities going on in North Korea, which we really don't know about much, except for the few people that escape, right? And China are on scale Gosh. with what we saw with Japan and Nazi Germany in World War II. Oh, for sure. And so, yeah. at some point, as a we are in a globalistic world right we are all kind of in this together so to speak and we're kind of already basically in either an economic or cyber economic in case of china cyber in case of russia like there's a cold war at some point we're not at some point that needs to be addressed and i think we're already probably past the point where it should have been addressed Mm -hmm. and now once it gets so bad that we're kind of poke the bear as we mentioned at the beginning kind of in quote forced to do something about it they're not going to go 
gently into the night. No. So does that that goes from we're bothered by this. We have tariff war back and forth mm-hmm. for three years to like boots on ground. That's and what how, I think. And how quickly does boots on ground escalate to Cuban Missile Crisis? I think it's I think it's like cyber warfare. Yeah. Yeah. First. And then I think I think the peak of the escalation would be boots on ground. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Knock on wood. But I really don't think anyone's going to pull the nuclear card because it's there. It's the idea of mutually assured destruction is still very real. You know, China but pulls one, that card. One and lunatic we will needs pull to pull it. that card and the world descends into. For sure. Yeah, yeah. totally. Chaos. No, totally. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's why we don't want the moles of Iran like to it, develop a it, nuclear weapon. It only, right? like, it only worked in Japan is because we were the only person with the bomb at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a fair point. <laughs> right? They they instantly throw one back if they had one. Well, with Japan and World War II, definitely. I mean, like the both I mean, both nukes yeah. like almost wasn't enough. Well, and what's really scary about the modern situation that is that one wasn't enough. Yeah. We're we're, as we noted already, deeply indebted, the United States is yeah. to the Chinese Communist Party. And then Fucking Putin, or excuse me, Biden. <laughs> What's the difference? Forty and slick. Oh, Putin can he, speak. Well, there, yeah, actually, there's a big difference. Um, no, but Biden basically gave the green light for the Nord Stream two pipeline, and like that gives Russia leverage over all of Europe, an immense leverage, and. I mean, that's... Where is this? I haven't heard of this yet. So... I know Keystone is dead. Long live Keystone. Yeah. <laughs> so the Nord Long Stream the 2... Queen. The Nord Stream 2 is a pipeline that basically would be transferring Russian oil to Europe. Specifically, like, Germany, I think, is the main, like, receiving country who's been negotiating this deal with Russia. And Biden needed to sign up. Well, on so it? we had sanctions against it, and we were uh, we were convincing the European the Union to right not to not approve this deal. Right. It was like still being constructed. Blah blah blah. Germany naturally wants it because they've destroyed all their nuclear power plants <laughs> and have moved away from producing their own fossil fuel power and shifted to solar and wind and shocker energy prices skyrocketed and they had like an unstable grid and started importing coal. So I guess this is the cleaner alternative is to import oil from Russia anyway. And Biden basically has let that through. That is, that is one of those, that, that is a case where it's like, well, we tried and we can kind of wash our hands because we're just importing now. We're not part of the problem. By right. Now. But right. it's I mean, yeah. And anyway, Democrats and Republicans in Congress here in the United States, both. I mean, it was surprising the number of Democrats who like went out on a limb and were like, what the fuck, Biden? Why would you allow this to happen? And so because we had the leverage and basically we let go of the leverage. Right. And now it's going to go through. Um, so, you know, Biden can go on TV and call Putin a killer, but if he allows them to have complete control and leverage over all of Europe, uh, whatever he says on television doesn't really mean Mm -hmm. anything, right? Like whatever. That's I highly recommend anyone listening. Go listen to the interview that 
Putin had, I think it was an MSNBC exclusive interview um, with the, was it the American press? Something other official um, a couple days before they did their um, summit. summit. Mm. And it was like, it's an hour and 26 minute interview. And it is That's very a long time with a global leader. Uh, I was sitting there watching it and I was like, this interview is, I don't know what their goal was with this interview. It makes Putin look co- very, very good. And I'm like, good Lord. We United States press can get an hour and a half sit down interview with Putin that's drilling exact. drilling him with questions and Biden won't answer a damn question. Well, and that's exact and Putin wants that. That oh, makes yeah. him legitimate. The American press is talking to him. They interview him for an hour and a half. I mean, that's and like he, exactly and what he the wants. The questions they asked him, he was just I mean, the dude's sly like a fox. Yeah, he, he is. He just absolutely It was probably all pre-interviewed too. Like he probably saw the questions coming from 2 weeks away. Maybe I. I mean, he doesn't speak English. There's a translation issue there, and he doesn't speak yeah, English. But I, bet I, he does I, speak I mean, English. like, I like <laughs> not on TV. <laughs> you hear any story on NPR? Like half of those people are pre-interviewed. Like they'll talk Maybe. for a couple hours before they actually start rolling. I would watch it. You uh, right? Like it's just the nature of media. I think I know? saw one soundbite from that interview where they. I think they must have, I didn't hear the question, but they must have been pressing him about like suppressing like Alexei Navalny and suppressing mm-hmm. opposition groups in Russia. And he, he pivots it and, and um, points out like the several hundred people that have been arrested since the Capitol mm-hmm. riot. And he's like, they had a, that was a political, you know, um, protests yeah and now they're being like prosecuted with federal crimes like how is that not political suppression or like they're being targeted for their political beliefs and like uh, we know that like well they broke like federal law and that's why they're being targeted but but doesn't he get to say the same but thing? But his comment is like, like, I have a law that he totally, yeah, yeah. Probably, Navalny broke. Yeah, Oops. exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, I thought it was, it was a good, it was a good interview. So I was like, it's I worth know. listening to. That was to. kind of a clever, I mean, it, it, that's my point. Yeah. To there's what a you're reason saying, the dude is, is asking to be ruler until he dies. I know. Yeah. He's former KGB for Christ's sakes. Not a good man. He's done many bad things to Very, yeah. many innocent people, I'm sure. So, but what's scary, my point of this whole thing that I just randomly went off on is that China has immense leverage over Mm -hmm. all of the world and especially the United States. And Russia now has immense leverage over all of Europe. And the two publicly are kind of in bed, but not totally because they're maintaining their leverage with the United States. But like for sure behind closed doors, like they've got an agreement. I would be shocked if they didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a scary position. Like if we're thinking like war is inevitable, we're already like they kind of have the upper hand at this point. And that's scary. So coming back to the main question is, is it the government's job or is it us as a consumer's job to not support companies that already like play in that arena, trade with that region or like by proxy? utilize labor employment quote unquote or labor from the area in the in the framing of 
our our capitalist bibles from milton friedman right like they might (laughs) not be doing anything wrong in a economic system that's built to be morally neutral that way right well there's like a strong free market argument against slavery right because there's half of the equation there is not exercising their like right over their own sovereignty and property of their bodies right and labor thank you mr john locke so like that's not real <laughs> like, right uh, that's not a real free market right but, yeah but the lines are getting hazy enough that maybe they have plausible deniability the companies in the united states yeah yeah i do think they do exactly yeah right so <sighs> i don't know should we take a poll do you think the government should do something or do you think do you think the government should mandate that we're not allowed to do business with these kinds of companies, which basically means we have to like sanction and blackball an entire nation. There's a lot of collateral damage there too. Like mm-hmm. right now we have san- targeted sanctions with, which I think actually do make sense against like specific people within the regime. Right. Right. Like freezing their assets and they can't do business mm-hmm. in the United States and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But broader economic sh- sanctions, those wind up just hurting like, the poorest in mm-hmm. those nations. Like, is that okay? Well, it's one the of much tame, the much tamer know. version of the question is like, at what cost to your your daily or weekly Starbucks run do you want to make sure that like the supply chain for coffee from South America is mm-hmm. ethical? Yeah, like from all the way down to the farmer who owns the land who's like employing very often like women to pick the berries off the trees to eventually dry the bean, right? Like, yeah, that that's another corollary we have, you Mm -hmm. know, and is it, is it worth a $10 cup of coffee to you versus the $5 it is right now? Right. Right. Like it's the much tamer version of like, do you want to spend $3,000 on a MacBook or just the 1500 that you just spent? Right. Yeah. I'd like to say there are so many markets that were tied up in this like oh so many potentially ethically dubious situation mm-hmm. where we're just like yeah well it means an $8 $8 Starbucks instead and right. I'm annoyed by that right right so then Starbucks takes the message from their customer market right and they're like oh they want it cheaper we got to make the supply cheaper mhm yeah. Right? No, for sure. Which is rational on their part. Totally. So, but are they doing anything wrong? Because it kind of feels like we're straying toward they might be. Hmm. I mean, yeah. I guess it depends on what no level of saying, knowledge they have. Yeah, I have no problem saying someone's doing something evil if so they're exploiting people. So it's still, but it's still a value trade-off, especially in like, yeah. if we're going to champion capitalism as the potential solution like just a better version of capitalism right it's not like the crony version or like yeah a bunch of subsidy right Right. like yeah clear water capitalism probably solves the problem right but we're playing in muddy waters Mm -hmm. yes i like that to your question because you brought in morality and like our common christian faith is that so like I use the phrase Milton Friedman Bible as like, <laughs> I like it. I use that intentionally because yeah. like that model of economics would say like 
our our best duty is to serve the shareholder and create like a free market where everyone benefits because we're pursuing our own self-interest. The the asterisk might be in ethical ways. The Chris- well, because people have choice, right? So I think True. like simply the theory is like, well, if you're buying from somebody that uses slave labor, then yeah, you don't buy from them anymore. But it gets more, com- it's more complicated than that, mm-hmm. right? right? Exactly. If it means you pay three thousand dollars versus fifteen hundred dollars, right? So yeah, right, yeah. So it depends on but, individual but choices, people- which like maybe it should depend on individual choices. It should, and but the nice thing is, and this goes back to our regulation conversation we had a couple of weeks ago, is like as someone that values kind of like, you know, less regulation, everything like that, like it, we probably value, I I don't remember what I said last time specifically, but like truth in advertisement or like more transparency on where things are coming from because, you know, it's really difficult and expensive to filter that. And Hmm. I'm just working on doing this in my life with clothing. Hmm. And it's difficult to figure out where people source stuff from clothing. And yeah, like, dude, I bought some work pants. You want to talk about Starbucks and Apple? Like you could talk about Hanes or Fruit. Yeah, Loom yeah or- exactly. So like <laughs> I just bought yeah. some work pants. It's one of their least less expensive work pants. Yeah. And I know that everything's grown in the United States. It's all gathered here. The mills are here. Sewn here. Right. Very transparent company. But it was $180 for a pair of pants. Whereas I bought this pair of Levi's. Yeah yesterday yeah for 40 bucks and yeah <laughs> yeah and that's that's right. somewhere in my life where i was like this is something that i can do i think right is start as and i'm you, replacing and, stuff and you made the value judgment to yes. say i value the statement that these pants are making right even if people don't recognize like that brand stands for everything that you know it stands for right but then at the same it's time, it's worth $180 right. to me to know that every time I slip that pair of pants on before I go to the work site, that I did something sure. that contributes. But then at the same time, I'm a hypocrite because I went and bought Kirkland underwear and God knows where those tidy whities come from. So, right. Well, and I think there's also a distinction to be made, too, between like legitimate, like there's a genocide taking place and the people who are being exterminated are forced to like mine for some rare Mm -hmm. earth Mm -hmm. versus what some people call like sweatshops but when compared to like the other economic opportunities Mm -hmm. in that region are actually incredibly like fruitful and a better a rationally better option for people yeah we we are very much guilty of trying to elevate anyone any worker's situation to like the equivalent in Kansas. Right. Right. You also, you can't just always do that. That's why like there's issues where, you know, there's a lot of companies that outsource stuff, but they do take care of, they make sure that, you know, wherever it might be produced or outsourced, it's like, okay, the daily wage for someone in this country is $2 a day or whatever equivalent. Right. Right. And they're like, okay, well they get paid three fifty a day or whatever. And it's like, you can't just, but they should be making 15. Yeah. I'm like, oh, right. okay. Yeah. Exactly. yeah right. Which you know, is absurd. Right. So yeah. there's, there's a distinction to be made there. So, okay. So the flip I was headed toward is if the Milton Friedman Bible says that pursuing our own self-interest in a way that benefits like the most people possible, I believe our Christian Bible basically puts it the other way around and that we should be sure. others interest first. 
mm-hmm. least that's the model I read in the Gospels, like Jesus laying down his life for what we see as like the kingdom of God or like the ideal way that the son of God said we should live. And like, so we get in the um, Sermon of the Mount, like blessed yeah. are the poor, blessed are the meek. Like the entire system is flipped upside down. Okay, so this is interesting. You know, the people that own the T-Rex arms that I was talking about when we did the Second Amendment. Yeah, yeah. He just posted it the other day because they were talking about like, oh, you have amazing customer service and like yada, yada, yada. And like he ranked. And I, I trust the guy very much with how he runs his business, but he's like, my priorities in my business is like, first, I serve God. Mm-hmm. Second, I serve my family. Then I serve my employees then i serve my customers sure and and then i'm on the bottom of that yeah but i don't think the subtext i'm missing is where does profit line up in that i see and for me when you look at like okay you have a really really good product you take care of your employees you have good customer service profit will just happen sure if you are wise and you're not you know we're gonna build an eight million dollar office sure Right, like if you build it and you scale slowly and you have a good product, I profits will come. Like that's the trajectory. I I don't think that it's fair to say that like a free market system is the opposite of what Christianity outlines. That's, that's certainly yes. Thank because you. <laughs> I think, because I think I think the beauty of the free market system and like the point of what Friedman's like shareholder capitalism is getting at is that like it is incredibly moral to pursue your self-interest like that system is incredibly moral because it channels people's self-interest into a common good Mm -hmm. so like it's not necessarily saying i'm choosing myself over my neighbor it's just saying this is the most efficient way for my neighbor to benefit and Mm -hmm. for me to benefit am i incorrect in saying that a fair amount of progressive christians are anti-capitalist Oh, yeah, dude. Okay. I get that vibe every time I'm on Twitter. Yeah. I'm like, you guys actually, like, are communists. I, uh, that's how I perceive it. That's why I, that's... It, it, I mean, it's it's incredibly possible that the first couple centuries of Christianity were basically communists living in the Roman Empire. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. Right? Like, they're selling everything they have to support their community of people. Uh-huh. And, like, for every need they saw, they gave of their own self-interest in order that another member of their community flourished. How'd that pan out? Well, Christianity exploded is what happened. Yeah, but then it That's not communism, though. That's not communism, that's voluntarism. That's what it is. Totally. It exploded because the Roman Empire embraced it and incorporated it into its system after feeding them the lions for a couple centuries yeah but eventually they but eventually they (laughs) accepted it and that's when it took off they went from being outcasts to being the king right i would probably argue that that's still a corrupted form of christianity once it's endorsed by the power the empires of the day and the power structures of the day so is it corrupted today though i think so oh okay yeah all right okay yeah, yeah, I would probably say a fair amount of it is. Like, I, I, I think yeah. I think a fair, like, plain text reading of the Apostle Paul saying, like, I am first a citizen of the kingdom of God before I'm a citizen of That's Rome. some Jeffersonian shit. What do you mean? 
Don't you think? I mean, that's some like Jefferson country. Like, I'm not a citizen of this government. I'm a citizen of my community. I mean, a bit. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So like not communists is what I'm saying. Yeah. But. Oh, no, right. And, yeah, yeah. And, and what Torn is pointing out, it, just, it, it was very like an, an inspiration from a source that encouraged that volunteerism to be bottom up instead of top down in post. And this is this is what bottom up is exactly how the free market works. Correct. Yes. Which is to, but the morality inspiring it is literally like if a centurion compels you to walk a mile with his pack, you walk too. If someone steals your robe, you give him your underwear. Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But those, well, that's an interesting question. Is that a market decision? Or is that know, something entirely separate from a, a market? People don't realize a, like a how clever reading radical Christianity and a really from like a, a really good exegesis standpoint. of that passage in particular. I used as a really quick example, but like the clever version of it and what, what I believe Jesus was doing to subvert the whole system of the empire of Rome at the time was a Roman centurion was by law permitted to compel any sit or any person that Rome ruled to, co- to carry his load for a mile or like mm. however much that distance was. Legally, it was limited to that one mile. So what Jesus was saying was like, start carrying it the second one because the step beyond that first mile he can legally compel you to do, you have flipped the power script and now you basically own his ass because you can be like, I walk two miles and everyone's going to look at him like, did you make him do that? You can't make him do that. Yeah. Right. You know, Mm. in the same way. And that's, again, voluntarily now that's an act of service because you're not being forced to do it. Right. That's what you're called to do. So, but and so that's the, empowering, right? Is yeah. the ultimate lesson there. Yeah, and it yeah. completely. I mean, if you look historically too, that's completely counterintuitive to any cultural, oh, element of the time. Like, right, incredibly. Yeah. So, I guess what I'm equating is the counterintuitive of like we see self-interest championed as the best way to achieve capitalism, but like, is what I'm asking for in like capitalism plus plus ethicalism like if we have a problem with the way apple is handling things mm-hmm. what's the way the whole thing flips so that like instead of self-interest we're pursuing we're pursuing others interests but achieving the same benefit to the shareholder to the customer to the right. provider i don't think you have to flip it i think they're one and the same mm. yeah i think they're one and the same okay and it's just that they don't appear equivalent to me because the waters are muddied by all sorts of red tape and regulation and things that are the barrier to creating the best possible outcome for the most amount of people by pursuing your own self-interest. Yeah, I think okay. just like a theory from like a theoretical perspective, the f- Pursuing your own self-interest is what, like, it's the most efficient way to allocate resources in a way that appeases the most amount of people. I mean, that's sort of what efficient means. Sure. 
right? So appease like, is, an, is an interesting word. <laughs> maybe that's not the right word to use. <laughs> Pleases, satisfies, satisfies is okay. probably the best word to use. Sure. Satisfies. But like that's what efficiency means, right? Yeah. Like everybody involved is the happiest they possibly could be with everyone else being like everyone's not equally happy, but they're as happy as they all could be with everybody else being happy is Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say. And I think it's not a matter of like choosing yourself over other people. It's just, this is, I think what people have observed with the free market system is that that is just, that's the most efficient way to get at that end goal. Mm-hmm. And simply like, I mean, what, what would the alternative look like well, I guess, in this scenario? I guess, I guess my question is, is efficiency what, more valuable than the ethical means at which it's arrived? When at? the human element is put into it, yeah. from my perspective, no. And that means that as someone that is trying to run a business, you have to weigh that. And that means taking a cut on profit sometimes. Yeah. For the ethical. Well, it depends on what you value, right? Like if you're valuing, if there's clearly like a human toll okay. on your profit margin sure. and you value that, then you're going to factor that in. Mm-hmm. That's a cost yeah. that you're factoring in. Which to is your totally, production. totally the plight of many small businesses is sure. you, you hear someone interviewed on a podcast and they say like things were getting rough. And my first worry was how I was going to pay that guy's salary, not mm-hmm. my own. Like, Oh yeah. Right. And maybe that's the attitude I'm asking for is basically that element of Christianity where things are flipped upside down, where he's actually more worried about making sure that guy's family is paid for because that guy trusted me to handle my shit to make my business successful. So I'm going to worry about that first before I like take my own cut, which is why like, like people hate the CEO that goes and takes like the exorbitant salary and pays the lowest line worker. Yeah. Seven fifty an hour. I never have a problem with that because you look at some of these guys that come in and turn around a company and then increase profits. I'm like, yeah, this guy's probably worth twenty million a year because mm-hmm. he he increased the company's profits by, you know, fifty fold that. Yeah, you don't like that the dude's rich. Okay, you go in and try to do what he did to that business. <laughs> well, and also like a lot of the trade profit- your skill for that much money and see. What- the profit of a major company isn't just like lining the pockets of executives like it's largely used to reinvest sure in the company yeah, to sure. keep it viable um <laughs> i just don't know what like in in the specific sort of scenario we've outlined with with the chinese communist party challenge i don't know how Maybe we just have a different definition of like self-interest. It seems like maybe oh, there's yeah. like an idea that it's like this sinister thing. Totally. Rather than something that can absolutely be interpreted as as, as an employer saying, I want to look out for my employee. Sure. Right. Like that could be in that guy's self-interest mm-hmm. to care for his employee. Right. I guess, I guess in my theological evolution over the last few years in my faith like 
I hear self-interest as the opposite of like take up your cross and follow me. Hmm. And this is the problem though, where it's like you can't like if Jesus pursued his own self-interest, I don't think he would ever I think have been that... crucified. That's the way I hear that yes. on like a really plain meaning of what I believe quote unquote self-interest means. Hmm. So right? here's, here's, this is great. I think that it is very, maybe not easy because it takes a lot of work, but it is very likely that operating as a Christian with Christian values that we highlighted a little bit right. in a free market capitalistic setting will produce a lot of fruit. Yeah. However, there is no way that in a post-Christian secular world that those values can ever be implemented on the greater Without the like sphere. spiritual motivation yes. to back it up. That yeah, goes back to human nature. Because, because <laughs> I mean, you, you pointed out that a lot of like, quote unquote, progressive Christian Twitter is very like progressive in economic values. Right. Like almost anything you can name, right. it's going to be progressive. It's going to land on the left. Which I usually have a problem with. Like, I hate the tweets that are that just say like Jesus was a socialist. Yeah. Like, lazy take. First of all, <laughs> like, Very and also lazy. you're using language that he would have never right conceived of. Like, right? Like Rome was not capitalist. So like, if socialism is like the opposite of capitalism, right. like, yeah. What well, do you, what and, do you and, want him to be Christ, inside the room? Christ understood his, like, respected the sovereignty of the individual, right? Which is sort of yes. at the heart of, of capitalism. He also said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. He's like, I don't care. Pay your taxes. Be a good citizen, man. Right, right, right. That's right? true. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess there's the other example of, like, the Apostle Paul in, in order to uh, never feel like he was being a burden on any church he was ministering to essentially ran his own Etsy shop and was a tent maker and tent yeah. vendor. Like he was walking That's around great. with needle and thread. So he figured out how to sell a product that people value himself. to support himself. Right. Yeah. That's capitalism. I know. I know. <laughs> we, I think we know someone that like through what they're doing, like the goal is to, as a pastor, not have his salary anymore. Right. Through other means. So then they can hire someone else and use his salary to, to hire someone else on. Yep. And he's like, I shouldn't be paid to, to be a pastor here right it's pretty cool yeah mm -hmm. which that's another way i hear the self-interest question especially because it gets tied to money and capital right inherently like when jesus says store up your treasure in heaven like there's a there's a way to literally read that and be like this money doesn't matter <laughs> like it's not gonna get you anywhere right mm -hmm. like and if you serve that he uses like no one can serve God and mammon and mammon being the Roman God of money mm. and finance was, was literally like that God in the pantheon. Like he's like, you can't, you can't serve the, the spiritual motivational end mm -hmm. of the kingdom of God while serving. Like, I guess the way I read it, the one, the way I want to say it is like, you can't do that and work to accumulate resources and make a bunch of profit. Right. And so this is where this is where the balance comes in, though, where it's like, I think we're, we're a little bit off skills here, but like if you are someone that is a Christian, you believe in the kingdom of God and preserving that and helping people, whether they're part of the kingdom of God or not. Right. And you have a gift or an ability to make a lot of profit. Sure. 
I think you should do that. And then you should leverage that. We are in a world where you can leverage money for totally. great good. And that's what's so interesting when I see a lot of progressive Christians specifically being upset at people who make a lot of money and specifically seem to want the government to tax and then use that money to take care of people. It's not the government's job to take care of the people. It's you as a Christian. Yeah, right. It's your duty as a Christian to take care of the people. And Volunteerism. Vol- yes. Bottom up. Yep. Not top now, down. this is an interesting topic that I would love to hear on Ravel is... You should bring it to Ravel. Yeah, well, why not? This Hell yeah, fun. dude. Just because I've also been thinking about it. I was like, where does it lie Like as, as a Christian, like looking at the state and like, especially if you want the government to take care of stuff. Yeah. At what point are you not bearing your cross or does it become some form of idolatry? Right. Where it's like, is it idolatry? You, oh, okay. So then is it idolatry you to demand a $15 to... minimum wage? <laughs> I mean, maybe. if you want more money, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think there's confusion too about like the, just the idea of earning a profit or accumulating wealth as sure. if it's some sort of like singular good that only benefits the per- like one person when in reality like yeah right you're create you you become wealthy because you're creating a good or service that countless people value totally. and are benefiting yeah, 100%. from so like that it's interpreted- isn't it's not a selfish yeah. act you're being rewarded for something that people find value in right that's but benefiting other people i i think the counter to that would be like yes but when I look at like Tim Cook versus the rest of Apple or Elon Musk, like making like his net worth compared to the people that work for him or like, okay, CEO well, his of net worth isn't all liquid assets, right? Like a totally. lot of it is just like he started this company, the literal he took valuation the risk. of the business. Yeah. And right. like that, like that is what oh, it is. And absolutely. that also we could agree. turn in the other direction yep. and he could be worth. Nothing yep. if that yeah. falters. He's taking on that risk. Right. And there's a cost to that. And yes. even so, though there's government subsidizing thrown in there, like, I mean, he built it. Right. There's some form of creative. There's a price almost. on that. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah, there is. There's value. So you never want to. I mean, like, can anyone that even works for Tesla? Or SpaceX, like, I don't know if anyone that works for him could have done what Elon did, right? Because right. Elon is Elon, like, right. he's uniquely him, and, like, right. Right. the next great entrepreneur, like, I don't, like, all these people are weird. They're different. Right. They're, they're operating at a different level. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're better than anyone else, but, like, something about them is unique, like. And their net worth reflects it. Yeah. Well, and they don't, I mean, okay, well, there's the question of, like special interest lobbying and being subsidized by the government <laughs> that I think and we're bad I'm just saying that I think is a problem but aside from that mm-hmm. there is value in what they're creating they don't become wealthy because they're coercing right. the average American to give them their money totally they're giving the average American something that they want to spend money on by proxy Tim Cook has provided me a ton of value yes I use so, my AirPods nine hours a day yep there you go you're building so your I future guess, on a right Mac, right? Yes. Yeah. I, oh, okay, so 
the the way it gets the way profit gets interpreted as evil is when it's run through a passage like it's easier for um or it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than it is to like pass through than for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Like the interpretation of the verse is basically Jesus saying like, it's super hard to like be rich and understand that we're all equal and that we're all like, well, you also have to think about the context of the time he lived in. Ab- no, absolutely. Right? Like we're not talking about like sovereign individuals with property rights that were like, have a relatively equal playing field. Right. Where some people succeed and others don't. We're talking mm-hmm. about like people that are like born into families that are connected and that are always going to be connected. Right. right. Like that's kind of a different system. That's I great. would be against that system. Too. Right. So I don't know if it's fair to like try to apply that logic to the modern world in yeah, America. Totally true. But, but at some point, but you can see how some people read that and just like carte blanche. Just say, well, like, sure. At face oh, it's value, evil. it's evil to be rich. Right. Right. Most of the people that aren't rich say that. You what? Mostly people that aren't rich say that. Which is what I'm wondering is like, is the demand for 15 minimum wage is like, yeah, you want more money. I think there's a fair argument to make that socialism is rooted in a lot of like original sins. Like envy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Coveting your neighbor's house rather than his wife but you know what sure. i mean like just that like i mean hey where'd you get that wife i want you got another government wife in there somewhere <laughs> government <laughs> government i want wife? an obama wife <laughs> chinese obama sex phone? robots yeah oh my god chinese sex hey, robots for everybody here we go yes <laughs> all right well, I think the China conversation is something that we'll have to continue. Is it, it possible that we can answer the question as to whether the government should do anything? I don't know. I think it's going to honestly, I think we're like history is we, going to play we out. We had the conversation that it deserved, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look back, I think an equivalent recent history is like the Nazis prior to World War II. Right. And we dragged our feet until we were attacked and we had to be involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so that's probably what will happen again and i mean honestly you look back on the history and it's like i probably would have been in agreement i could I, there's i think there's a fair argument for people who were like how look do- at what look at world war one we don't want to go through this again we're coming out of a depression like we can be safe we're surrounded by oceans like let europe handle it whatever we'll give sure. munitions to britain like fuck it you know, yeah. What better way to solve a depression though than wartime economics? That's not engines. what solved the depression. <laughs> but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Fair enough. Unless that was just the original kick that came down the road. The original kick, maybe it was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh my god. Well, oh I've got something. This is something I just was thinking about, and it's something that I need to probably do some research in because I'm interested. Talking about China, it's interesting to see what a menace China has become, as far as um, its influence around the globe, uh, how it treats people, how it's infringing. Uh, outward, I mean, buying land in other countries and building islands, and it's really become the superpower. But we just mentioned World War II. It's hard to believe that less than a hundred years ago, 
something like, what, 80 years ago? 70 years ago. China was in a position where hundreds of thousands of civilians were being murdered every month by Japanese during World War II. Not casualties of war, but just openly, like, Japanese were like, we just want to murder civilians. And then you see the power struggle there. And then you see the people of China being put into testing facilities that Japanese had, like Unit 731. Any of you are familiar with that? You should look into it. It's horrific. It's, I would argue, worse than anything Nazis ever did. And that then, we know of. That we know of. And then, you know, we have Japan was dropped bombs full of rats that had the plague in cities. And then villages of people in China died of the plague. And they infested fleas with the plague and then released biological weapons all over China. And peasants suffered horrible disease-ridden deaths. And 80 years later, is that history so far away that they're just doing the same thing that was done to them now to other people? Even more poignantly, like Xi Jinping openly talks about how he emulates Mao. And Mao... Like, the butcher, the great even, butcher. Even more recently. Yeah. I mean, killed millions of his own people. And that's why I need... completely ass-backwards economic policies yeah. and, like, the Cultural Revolution, which was, like, terrifying. And this is why this is a neglect on my side. I, I need to... I don't know the history particularly well of pre-1945 to current period of China. Like, what really happened? I mean, I know death tolls of communism, and I know a little bit about intervention and... Various yeah. war, you know, Korea, Vietnam, and and whatnot. But there's so much history that I just, I honestly, am ignorant of. Yeah, and probably some important context that I need to look into. This mm-hmm. might put into perspective kind of what's going on. It's hard to fathom. I think they were still very much like isolated intentionally mm-hmm. from the world up until like communist revolution. Yep, and then they still kind of were, but were obviously like uncomfortably allied with the soviets but Mm -hmm. to your point like that's all very recent history yeah very recent history and um yeah it's shocking to me that there's like not to open up a whole other can of worms but like there's an a movement across and it's been happening for a while across china to like re literally rewrite the history books and like present Mao in a different light than mm-hmm. what than like the murderer that he was and it's just scary to think of what will happen to an entire generation of people that are and this brainwashed. and this goes back to my thing that I mentioned earlier about war propaganda in Japan specifically if you I mean once you start noticing that kind of rewriting history and indoctrination and who knows what else it's like they're kind of priming a whole nation for the ferocity that the Japanese presented during World War II. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, there are similar patterns. And yes. it's like, we should be alert because it seems like it's heading in a familiar direction. Mm-hmm. There's also the angle of like, even the history that's not so far away that have we forgotten about is like, I don't feel like I've forgotten about it. I never, I don't think I ever learned about it. Even in like mm. the American education system, 
like I studied the 1780s more than I ever studied anything mm-hmm. from the 1900s. Everything I know In about history, history, I had to teach myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially modern, I mean, war history. And even, I mean, it's so just, I don't know, what's the, what's the word for it? But it's just so diluted. Any World right. War history you get in school and. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah. The, so it's like, when was the Battle of Pearl Harbor? Right. And you're it's like, like Pearl um, Harbor happened. And you're like, right. okay. And then Japan entered the war. And then it's like Nazi Germany. And you don't even learn like how did <laughs> and Hitler And then we entered power? the war. And yeah. then eventually we got to Berlin. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, okay. Oh yeah. Oh. Thanks. Somehow when I was learning about World War II, I never learned that there were more civilian casualties than militant Military. casualties. Right. Hmm. Like double. You're like, uh, okay. And way more in the East than in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, density-wise, like, because it was such a small area being fought over. D- right. But, yeah. yeah. Crazy stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. History's fun, guys. <laughs> mm. We've covered a lot of ground. Tonight. We have. Great. <laughs> Gives us primed for some other topics and totally. This is great. This felt like an old school whiskey bench episode. It's nice. Yeah. In person though. Yeah. In I'm person. vibing. Yeah. Into it. I the delicious aviation on the table tonight. And it's almost midnight and I am flagging. All right. <laughs> yes. So let's do uh-huh. it. Cheers, <laughs> friends. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on The Whiskey Bench. If you would do us a favor, please tell a friend about the show in person, with a text, or by sharing about it on social media. You can join us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest, all at Whiskey Bench Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Remember, always drink responsibly. And cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty. Welcome to the Into Podcast, where we seek to insight, insight, pursuing truth for the sake of wonder. Meet my parents. That's, That's us. us. I'm Pops. I'm the Cotton Candy Queen. My wife, Katie. Hello. My best friend, Kevin. Am I the best friend or the wife? And me, Alex. Hey. Join us to have an honest and encouraging conversation about whatever it is that we're into. Highline Media Network. Normal people in normal places.